Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Top of the charts Tuesday. My man Patrick plays jams. That reached the top of the Billboard's charts on this day in history. Wow. Um, we've had a lot of Michael Jackson on the show. Either Michael Jackson or Jackson 5, I should say. Yeah. Sometimes on the show. Um, but this is also one of the all-time <laughs> greats. Uh, see? Patrick, hard to get that he yeah. throw out there. Before, uh, <laughs> I got there. before I got there too fast. <laughs> Did you... Um, do, I had one of the... Remember the, the Michael Jackson jackets? Oh, I had one. I had one of those. Yeah. Me and my brother actually had match. I believe there's a picture of both of us in our Michael Jackson oh, jackets. Oh, I had one. As kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much money they made off those knockoff Michael Jackson. Oh man, jackets. they made a ton. I want to say almost every damn kid that you know, around that time was around my age. Hell, even you, you're a little bit older. My yeah, brother was I, my brother's your age, but yeah, it's a little I bit older. Another one. <laughs> yeah, it was red, and mine had I believe mine had the gold like uh, I don't know sequin stuff on the shoulders. Mine looked more like Eddie Murphy's in Raw. It, it was did. That there was a little bit of that. It did yeah, because that's like a thriller that. jacket. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Now I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It did I mean, like did that. you wear the one glove? No. Well, it depends. I, I didn't have I a baseball glove. glove that day. I didn't have the one glove. <laughs> I might have had a baseball glove. <laughs> <laughs> did not have the one glove. I mean, go top of the charts Tuesday, my man uh, Patrick doing a great job bringing back some of the memories. You can be a part of the show. Hit us up on the Specs text line five one two three three seven three seven seven six. Rod, round the day. I'm just gonna get back to the Sark sound. There's a lot of Sark sound we yep. haven't gotten to about the individual uh, positions. So we'll get back to talking some Texas football, um, and I'll share some of kind of my research. I've been doing some research about the uh, Texas uh, team in spring, and I'll share some of that as we go through some of the Sark audio. So that's what we'll do. Go behind the burn on code next segment. But right now, time for NFL news, notes, and nuggets. Uh, there are a lot of different stories to hit, gentlemen. I think we should start with this Derrick Henry thing that Bill Barnwell threw out there. Mm-hmm. Now, Harge, you were the first one uh, on this show that I remember saying, hey, man, Derrick Henry might be available. And then yep. it came out that Derrick Henry isn't was indeed a, a trade. Uh, he was trade bait, potentially. Like right. that he was available via trade, but no team that I've heard, I've seen any reports that any team was interested in trading for a Derrick Henry. No, I hadn't seen it yet yeah. until... Well, according to Bill uh, Bill Barnwell, he's talking about free agents and basically what he is stating. And he had a piece that he wrote for ESPN, and it's a ESPN Plus uh, piece where seven teams with roster holes and what's next, uh, a 2023 NFL kind of free agency piece. And one of the scenarios that he brings up is Derrick Henry, uh, who is a potential cut candidate. Uh, especially following the draft. Remember, it's one of the deepest running back drafts really in the last 10, 15 years. It is really deep. You're going to get starting running backs in a third and fourth round in this draft, uh, multiple ones in the third and fourth round. Guarantee you that. I could right now say that, hell, and Rojo might be one of those guys. But that's how deep this running back draft is. And he's saying after this deep running back draft, after everybody's loaded up on running backs and have had their feel on free agent running backs as well, uh, that Derrick Henry will be a potential cut candidate. And Bill Barnwell, he is prognosticating that the, you know, that the NFL, former NFL rushing champ is potentially going to be falling into Dallas's lap. Mm-hmm. He, he said, mm-hmm. essentially, Barnwell asserts that he believes the Cowboys would prefer to add another veteran rather than relying on a rookie running back. We've talked about if Bijan's there. Cowboys should do it, but I think we all agree Bijan might not be there. Right, we all agree you're going to trade up to go get Bijan. Um, 
And <clears throat> now he's saying that is not accurate. They've added Ronald Jones, who's a veteran uh, in this piece, but they're very much interested at in a premium pick uh, in the draft on a running back. Uh, and again, uh, they also are thinking about Tony Pollard, who they might have to replace. And there's there are thoughts that they may not want to sign him to a long term deal. And I agree, you should not sign Pony to a long term deal. So Barnwell asserts that Dallas is concerned about Pollard's rehab from his leg and ankle injury um, and that basically the Cowboys might consider a discounted a veteran aging Derrick Henry if he is indeed cut by the Tennessee Titans. And this would be post-draft. So this would be an assumption that if they did get a young running back in the draft, that it would not be enough to uh, deter them from making such a move. Henry's market value uh, to be a two-year, $30 million deal, um, that may be way off, but even at a fraction of that, the Cowboys aren't going to you know, get basically pay two running backs $10-plus million. Yeah. Then they'd be just back where they were with the Zeke thing. Yeah. Because Tony Pollard's going to make $10-plus plus million on the franchise tag this year, too. But you can't tell me that it's not intriguing to you, right? That, well, that's you know what, what I'm basically, saying? Yeah, Bill Barnwell brings up, I guess, yeah, the sec, it's a sexy move yeah. potentially by the Cowboys. And it's a, it's a thought that you, you'd be crazy not to look at. And that's the whole thing about it. And that's why it goes back to this uh, Lamar Jackson deal. For people to say that they're not interested – is ludicrous. Like, you should be looking at this young man that way. And Derrick Henry, even though he's on that back end of his career and dealing with injuries throughout it here lately, um, you still need to kick it on the tires, kick the tires to see what's going on with the young man. Now, obviously, you're not going to pick up that big old contract, but you can make some things happen, and that's that would automatically eliminate Zeke from coming back to the Dallas Cowboys. Remember, we've had that conversation. People have been talking about the Dallas Cowboys and possibly bringing Zeke back. That would pretty much eliminate Zeke from coming back to the conversation, to the Cowboys. You take the better running back from that draft? The, <laughs> that's what it ended up being, right? At least he <laughs> go Derek, No titles. one knew Derrick Henry was going to be what Derrick Henry was. I get that. Yeah. But, but, yeah, no, I, I don't think – yeah, you're not going to pay Derrick Henry that much. because. And also, I'm not sure Derrick Henry – I don't know if there's a lot of places he could go and still do what he does with Tennessee, where he is mm-hmm. the guy – but he may not want to be thrilled of, hey, by the way, down the stretch of the season, we're going to try and feature Tony Pollard a lot more. We're going to want you more in, you know, uh, passing situations and, yeah. and stuff like that. We may not. We're going to cut your runs down a, a ton. He may try and go somewhere else where he that they still will use him in that sense. Like if he goes like Tampa Bay, where it's not as good of a place, but they don't have anybody else, and he yeah. can go run the ball plenty more because they won't have a quarterback either. Or anything else, he can go run the ball. He may want to do that. But yeah, I, I just just draft a running back. Just draft. Yeah. Running we we back. can't say Ronald Jones is the guy either. I get he's only twenty five years old, but he and had, he's from Dallas too. By the way, he had one really big season in twenty twenty. Yeah. Then it was downhill the year after that, and then he didn't do, play. Barely found the field last year. Like you got you, still, you have to get another guy in there, and you have to get a guy because you don't know if you want to pay. Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard yep. No, you don't want to pay Tony Pollard. I think that's a big part of why they're going to draft the running back. It just depends on how, how they draft the running back. Um, but this Bill Barnwell, at least this hypothesis, this uh, thought experiment more so than anything, it's just interesting to have the conversation. If they, There's a lot of moving parts, though. A lot of things that got to happen. First of all, they're looking for a trade partner, and the assumption is nobody wants to trade for Derrick Henry. Nope. And if nobody wants to trade for him, then they cut him. That's the second part of this. They cut him, um, and then the Cowboys would have to post-draft, 
after we're assuming they draft a running back and then that running back room is pretty packed, then make a financial decision on Derrick Henry. And then, as Patrick pointed out, he would have to agree to go to, right. go to the Cowboys with a diminished you know, pretty much roll there because he knows Tony Pollard's at least going to be splitting time there. So I think it's, it's, it's we're but far that might away from save him though. You know what I'm saying? That you know, might, yeah, I totally agree with you because yeah. I think Derrick Henry, the, the thing that set him apart with the Titans, and I agree with Patrick, he was very um, specific to their blueprint to win, which is bully ball. Yep. But late in the season, when everybody was hurt and injured, weather started getting bad, so it's tougher to throw the ball. Man, that's when bully ball would peak at the perfect time, playoff time. Yep. And if you're the Cowboys, it'd be interesting that, you know, you could try to, you know, shoulder the load for Derrick Henry with Tony Pollard, of course, when he comes back healthy. And then maybe you got a fresher Tony Pollard and you got a version of bully ball heading into the playoffs if you could pull a move like that. I'm not yep. saying they can. Like I said, a lot of things got to happen. But for the Cowboys to do that, I agree with Patrick. Go back, just draft a running back. Just right. draft a running back, and and right. there's a lot of them that are out there. Oh, there's a lot of talented ones that it are is, out there. Yeah, it is. It is the. It's one of the deepest running back drafts we we've, we've ever seen. I mean, yeah. it is. Like I said, it's it's one of those running back drafts, in my opinion, that I think it'll. I'm not saying it's going to be historic or anything, but I think you'll get multiple starters in middle rounds of this draft. Uh, the running back position. So Pro Football Focus has their draft simulator, and they do different simulations of the draft over and over again. And so they uh, they basically published or uh, they put out on their website the projections from their draft simulator for every team. And I thought it was pretty interesting because, remember, I've been talking about how if you look at – I went to uh, Pro Football Network – they have one of these draft simulators. Okay. And fifth in the last week, over 15% of their draft simulations had the Cowboys drafting B. John Robinson more than any other or more than any other player. They had them drafting B. John. And I believe Bet Online for B. John Robinson's draft odds, the Cowboys were at the top of that list. Everybody loves the Cowboys in B. John. Right now, I mean, it just it, it's clickbait. I think I think they it setting could, us up, man. It could be clickbait. It could be setting you up. But here's another one. Then sorry, this might hurt your feelings too, then, Arch. <laughs> All right, so Pro Football Focus has their draft simulator, and th- I'll get to the Texans here. I want to go to Cowboys first. So we're talking about the Cowboys at number twenty six hmm. for the Dallas Cowboys, based on Pro Football Focus draft simulator. They have twenty one point one percent of the time. Their top choice is. Bijan Robinson. Robinson. So that should be everybody's top choice. Though. It's Pro Football Network, Bet Online. I mean, Pro Football Focus. Everybody's got the Cowboys. If Bijan is there, taking uh, the Cowboys, taking Bijan. And I will say, it was yesterday. Oh, actually, it was last week. Dane Brugler. He finally decided. Yeah. You know what? If Bijan drops to the Cowboys. He went out on a limb and said, Cowboys, they must draft B. John Robinson, even though I don't believe in drafting running backs in the first round. That is the bottom of the first round. And even you go look at, I think Brian Broaddus also uh, jumped on that bandwagon. So, Arch, uh, you agree? I think Patrick I mean, agrees. he's the hottest in the game. I said it. I mean, it was one of those situations where before I was like, if he falls to the Dallas Cowboys in that position, the Cowboys would be crazy to not take him. It wouldn't make sense. Mm. You have to do it because 
they are the one team that always talks about we're going with our board and whoever's the best available player on our board, that has to be it. If he's there sitting at that position and he is right in your face, that eliminates all the other nonsense that we've been talking about with Zeke Elliott, um, uh, Derrick Henry, and any other running back because now it's a new rookie clock. Mm-hmm. So why would you even look at anyone else? Yeah, I think the big question for Bijan in this draft, and if you want to get him as a Cowboys, is what pick do you think he makes it to? And can you get above that pick and not go too high? You don't want to pay a price to go to 12 or you know 13 or 14, and he you could have taken him 10 picks later. But I don't think he makes it past 21. Let me put this, I don't think he makes it past the Chargers pick. Yeah. Because the Chargers have a angry running back who wants to get paid. I don't think they want to pay him. And they can go get a guy like Bijan and just replace Austin Eckler, try and trade they him off. start a union, man. For a pick and just be like, all right, we're not going to pay Austin Eckler when we got, we reset the clock on that guy. Kellen Moore can use him the way he likes to use running backs in the passing game and other places. He wouldn't have to. I feel like that's more that I don't think he falls past that. At 21, uh, the pro football focus draft simulator, Patrick has Bijan Robinson as the second most. Uh, popular selection or best uh, odds to draft Bijan um, at 10.6%. They got Zay Flowers at number one for the Chargers, but I think you're right. I don't think the Chargers will let them get past them at 21. So you got to you want the you going to trade up into the top 20 to get Bijan. Yeah, yeah. There's no question about it. Who that, the question is, like Patrick said, who do you think is interested in trading out of the top 20 with you to help you get Bijan? Seattle might do it because Seattle's got two first round picks. Yeah, so it, Seattle might be interested. They're right there at twenty, but maybe that's not high enough. You to well, secure him, and, right. and it also it also depends on what we see runs of and what teams need in that position. That's so, true. like, a Seattle is in a place where they may want to draft a quarterback high because they have Geno Smith, but they have him on a favorable contract. But if all three, if all four major quarterbacks are gone in the first five picks, and they don't get their guy, do do they now say let's move back and take some other guys? We don't necessarily need to take the top guy anymore you may be able to get that pick a little bit easier than if they have a quarterback sitting there at that point, they may go ahead and take them. Unfortunately, I don't see the Cowboys trading up to get Bijan. They should, I, I don't either, but, but I, they, I don't see. I think the Buffalo Bills should as well. I think they should. Right I, don't think, I don't see them doing it either. Now, they, they, there's no reason for them not to do it. The Cowboys, there's a re- they could justify it because they could say we get a running back in a, in, in a later round, in the middle round. Yeah. And they really could get a start. They can get a Kendra Miller. They can get – there's Rojo out there. I mean, we can go on and on. I mean, the list of running backs out there is – I mean, it, it, it is one of the deepest running back drafts we've seen in a really, really long time. So I could see the Cowboys potentially saying, no, no, we like other running backs. Other than Bijan at that. And we just let Zeke go, drafted a running back high. We don't want to do it again. I get it, even though it's a different situation. He's out of the lottery of that pick. But um, I think, I think yeah, you got to trade into the top 15 to, see, to guarantee you're going to get Bijan. But if not, if you go into the top 20, there's a good chance. Yeah, because there's a few teams that could potentially get him. And in Todd McShay, I guess we can go to Todd McShay's mock draft and where they have Bijan. Todd McShay's latest mock draft, he's got Bijan going to the Lions. Yeah, yeah I saw that. He's got Bijan going uh, to the Lions and Todd McShay's latest mock draft at 18. Way to go, so Dan to, Campbell. Goes back to our, our theory, though. Got to get into the top 20 to yep. go get Bijan. Yep. And if you want to secure him to guarantee him, 
I think you got to go. You got to get even higher than. Just you got to be aggressive. The, the the late teens, you probably need to get closer to the fifteen, somewhere around there. Uh, but man, Lions a top five offense. Yeah, getting Bijan. That's and and I'll say this. I'll say this about the Bills though. Of why also you don't you don't want Bijan to go there. The Bills have taken a running back in 2019, 2020, and 2022, and they don't use any of them. They took Devin Singletary. They took. Zach yeah. Moss, and they just took James Cook last year. Didn't Singletary leave too? Singletary left. Yeah, but they they don't play any of them. Yeah, like oh, they, yeah, they don't yeah, they don't yeah. really use any of them. I don't know what's so, going on. So with that's that. why that's... I say you don't necessarily want him to go there either because they don't use a running back. It just makes, so it doesn't well, matter if you I, have one. Or not. I don't want for Bijan. I don't want, but for Buffalo, oh man, they got him. Yeah, it would make them if they pretty use close him. to indefensible. If they use him, they would have to use him. You say that he's better than all the running backs they've gotten. They've had gotten a generational running back like him. I get and that. This guy's better than Saquon and as good as Christian McCaffrey. That you, kind of stuff. You say that like you don't know how coaches are, <laughs> <laughs> and some coaches are very stubborn. I know. If I'm Josh Allen, I start checking some plays. You know right, I mean? check, call him my own thing. Give it to Bijan yeah. exactly. Uh, but there you go. So uh, Bijan Robinson. Oh, and uh, by the way, Texas. Sorry, I meant to get to the Texans. I apologize, Texans fans, which is apologizing to myself. Uh, the uh, Pro Football Focus simula- Draft Simulator has the Texans, first of all, with their second overall pick. It's got their top choices, Bryce Young. 40% basically of their mock drafts have them taken Bryce Young. And it, with their 12th pick, their second pick in the first round, it's got the Texans taking Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm. Wide receiver from Ohio State. Oh, matter of fact, oh, this is great sound. I'm glad we got a little time for this. Uh, Patrick, could you get the sound of Brian Hartline for us, please? Um, Patrick, for the sound of Brian Hartline, the Ohio State wide receiver coach, who was on, I'll get the podcast here in a second for Bustin you. Busting the Boys, I believe. Was it really? Okay, thank you for that. It was Busting the Boys. Okay. Um, and they were here in Texas not too long ago. They were they were at UT? Yeah, they were here in Texas he, not too long ago. Somehow he got an interview, but yeah. it's hard for everybody else. Um, yeah. So it says, <laughs> Did, didn't Tom Herman not use Bijan? I agree. It, but, hey, we're all thankful for that because if Tom Herman used Bijan, he'd still be here. Hello. <laughs> he'd have been here a little bit longer, and you wouldn't have Sark. So we're all everybody's in a better place. He's at FAU now. Yep. Everybody's better off because he, he made a dang coaching mistake and didn't give the ball to the best running back in the country. But anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, here is uh, Brian Hartline, the Ohio State wide receivers coach, when he was asked who are the best wide receivers that he's coached at Ohio State. And we know now – Based on the wide receivers that have been drafted recently, Ohio State is basically at this point wide receiver U. They've taken the title, I think, from LSU, which still can probably brag about that as well. Uh, Here's Brian Hartline. Top three wide receiver talents that you've coached. Top three I've coached. Uh, I would say say Marvin right now. Ooh, Marvin Harrison Jr., number one. NFL, NFL like, NFL makeup, NFL prototype, right? Yeah. Marvin's that NFL prototype. So you got Marvin Marv, one. Yeah, and then I think, you know, you have to go Jackson, all right, Jackson. And the only reason why I feel very comfortable saying that is because Chris and Garrett chose him as well. Chris and Garrett, you know, they're, you know, Garrett had a hell of a year, obviously, rookie of the year, 
You know, you probably have to give him the nod just because of that then next. And then it's between Terry and Chris. You know, one was 11th overall pick and one makes 23 million a year. So it's yeah. kind of a coin flip. I would say that. They love Terry know, up in Washington. I, gotta, I know. And I got to say, probably, I just probably say Terry right now because he's done it in the NFL for three or four plus years. That's worth his weight and goal on me. Yeah. A guy doing it one year is one thing. And Chris knows how much I love him. But you're talking about an elite group of, of dudes there. And I think that it's easy. It's easy to do it once. Really hard to do it two, three, four, right. five. Yeah. More years like that all right there you go arguably the best wide receiver coach in the country uh when he was asked to give his best receivers that he's coached he said marvin harrison Jr. is the best right now oh. he's still on a campus. lot of people have said that um, like he is a absolute <laughs> freak and just don't, let's not forget who his daddy is yeah uh, <laughs> he get it from his daddy yeah he uh, and then he went with jackson smith and jigba mm-hmm. who a lot of people are projecting the texans could go after jackson smith and jigba uh he may be the first wide receiver taken off the board i'm a big fan i think jackson smith and jigba is legit and it is crazy that you know garrett wilson and chris olavi both in the nfl and you know, already thousand yard seasons as young receivers have both stated that jackson smith and jigba is better than them right that's scary. Right. That's, they all that, said that. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a scary thought right there. Yeah. So Texans, if they end up getting them, that would be great. Todd McShay's mock draft has the Texans drafting Bryce Young. He's got uh, C.J. Stroud being taken by the Panthers first overall. Man. Which means he's changed his tune. He still says yeah. Bryce Young is his top quarterback, but he says he believes the Panthers – are going to draft C.J. Stroud, goes along with the, the Peter King report we got from earlier this week where Peter King says his sources are telling him, Frank Reich, he likes height. Like he just right. he just likes it. He wants a quarterback that is a little taller. He's always preferred that. That's been his preference. And that data point may push C.J. Stroud over the top in their evaluation, even though there are some in their front office and in ownership and management that prefer Bryce Young too. So if the Texans prefer Bryce Young, they may just get their guy. They may get their guy. But you might not. I know. Why would you, you let, still worried about don't, it? Don't, don't. <laughs> like I said, picking a quarterback is like picking a significant other. The woman you marry or man may not be the hottest person you ever dated, but they're the one that was most compatible with you. So if you're, if you're, if you're going after the woman or man you love, all right, why settle? Fight for him. All right? You need to go trade all, not all, but most of your picks, move up to number one, and go get the quarterback you mm-hmm. think is the top quarterback. If you're saying, oh, no, we like both, and we'll just take whichever one they don't want. Really? That is the way you want to run your organization? Right. We'll take the leftovers, whatever they don't want? No. If you have evaluated Bryce Young, you believe him to be the top quarterback in the draft, and all of your data supports that, all of your scouts are pointing at that, go get that guy. All right? You need to fight for the quarterback you want. And Bryce Young, if that's that quarterback, go fight for him. Go trade for him. You got to. If you don't, I think it's going to end up biting you. It's going to end up coming back to bite you. I promise you as an organization it will. Because they won't get the quarterback they want. And f- for some reason, because it's the Texans and they're the fuster cluck of an organization, whatever quarterback they get will be the quarterback that ends up being a bust. Because well, they're the Texans. Because they drafted him at 12 instead of 2 <laughs> because they drafted Will Anderson at 2. Oh, that would – oh, yeah. man. Well, they, they want to do that. So think about that. If they do that. That's what I was just about to ask you as a Texans no. fan and where you're looking at mm-hmm. and the, the reports are – what if they want to wait until next year's draft because the list is so long for the quarterbacks? 
I'm like, that makes zero there, sense. There's, how there's long is one, that maybe two that are better than CJ Stroud yeah. and Bryce Young, right? Like, so how? we're like Caleb Williams and possibly if Drake, Drake May, May does it again. But Drake May's only got one year on him. So Caleb Williams is the only guy we can say for two He's years has winner. shown that he is that guy. That's crazy. And you're going to get all up and hope you get that pick. And hope you get that but pick. But you already, you better trade that second pick you have this year then for next the, year's for, for a later first rounder so you can get three first rounders still and trade up and then next trade year. up to get that pick next year and then pray to God whoever is getting that pick doesn't need a quarterback right which because I bet they need they a quarterback do. they're going to say nah. they, they will definitely exactly. need a quarterback because that's why they'll be in that position <laughs> like I hate to break it to y'all Tampa Bay is going to be bad next year that's what I'm saying like why would you take that chance don't why, now you have the draft capital you no. got it. What are you saving it for? What are you going to save it to go draft a player who you may not even be on your team after their first contract? It yep. may be a bust. No, no, no. Trade that pick for the quarterback you think is the future of your franchise. I'm telling you, that's the way you got to operate. If they, <laughs> this, if, they, if they settle for just whoever is you know, not, you know, whoever the Panthers don't pick, I think it will end up being a mistake. I don't right. know how it's how they're gonna screw it up, but they're gonna screw it up somehow. It seems like oh, they're, they're already trending up. towards that. They're gonna trade for the number one and still take Will Anderson. Now they do that. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, you know what? I would you know what? If they do that, I renounce my fandom. All right. I want I want to find the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they do. I, I, I if they trade up to number one and still draft Will Anderson, I renounce my fandom. I'm done. I'm done being a Texans fan. Uh. I'll officially switch over to Cowboys fandom. Officially. What? Yeah. Well, uh, hey, yeah. welcome. Exactly. I sw- I'll officially switch over. That's how upset I would be over that. Yeah. So there you go. You got it on the record here. I hope it doesn't happen either. I hear you. I does, hope it don't either. That is terrible. I want to be a, exactly. And then I'd be a Cowboys. I, and I regret that every day of my life. <laughs> but I, I still have to do it because I'm a man of my word. I don't want to renege. I want to be a reneger. Don't do that. Uh, reneger, please. All right, we'll come right back. We'll have. Uh, we'll get into Sark's audio from the media availability. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, one Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Rod's rant of the day. I want to get into uh, some of Sark's audio. Uh, we'll get. If we don't get all of it here or the rest of it, uh, we'll get to some more of it in the top of the 6 o'clock and talk some more uh, Texas spring football. Uh, but he got into some individual <clears throat> uh, conversations, or at least uh, he was asked some individual questions about players. And uh, really, uh, I thought it was some great comments about individual players, how they're doing in the spring, and about the position groups. Uh, first cut we're going to play for you is about David Bender. We've been talking about David Bender and how a lot of the insider sites have been given reports that David Bender is not only pushing for a starting job opposite Jalen Ford at that off-ball linebacker position, um, but right now he's one of the most consistent players in the spring. Um, So Sark was asked about David Bender coming out of nowhere. I mean, this guy is a senior, and I think most people, I believe, the coaches had uh, recruited past him already. I think they thought they had, too. Um, but David Bender making some noise in spring. Here's what Sark had to say. Well, I think, I think David's had a, had a good spring. But I think it started for David in winter, right? Um, I think he had a good winter conditioning. Uh, I thought he was, he was very intentional uh, in his approach, not only from a physical standpoint in the conditioning aspect of it all, but also in, in, in getting with Coach Choate and digesting the scheme and, and what it looked like and, and how we wanted him to play. 
um, and is showing up. You know, he, he is playing, he's playing good football for us. Probably the best, we've, best version of David Benda that we've seen to go along with a Keaton Crawford. I think this is the best version of Keaton Crawford. He's still doing what he's always done on special teams. He, you know, he blocked a field goal Saturday, um, which is what we always expect of him is the special team stuff. But um, what he's doing in the secondary now um, is very comforting to know that a guy can grow into that position. And the beauty of it is with those guys, they've earned their opportunities. Then now they're getting their opportunities, and, and they can be a model for a younger player who, living in this world of instant gratification of they show up and why aren't they starting now? Well, here's two prime examples of guys that have grown into a role um, and have worked at it to, to now contribute to the team. And so, hey, I, you know, again, we're very appreciative of it because we invest a lot in our players you know, from the moment they arrive. Um, and so when they stick it out one year, two years, three years now in their case, uh, and now they can reap the benefits of the work they've put in, the investment we've made in them in, in all capacities of life, um, I think it's a win for everybody. Uh, yeah, and so uh, it's not just, you know, right now, the in, not just the insider sites that are talking about David Benda playing well, Sark's talking about him playing well too. It's just we don't see these types of stories very often where a guy um, – Come really doesn't have an impact as a player, as a starter, really, um, on the roster and has been recruited over and then out of nowhere, especially in the transfer portal ever, for a guy to right now be competing for starting reps. So uh, good for David Bennett also means that Texas has a lot more depth yep. uh, than they anticipated at that off-ball linebacker. And once again, Harts, unsolicited, he, he, he brings up Keaton Crawford. He loves this from Keaton Crawford this uh, this cycle too of spring football and keeps talking about how he's made a big impact with Jaden Catalan being out with that mm-hmm. shoulder injury. All you need is an opportunity, right? And hey. when the opportunity comes there and you've been in the program, you know what's expected. And not to be lost in the conversation is the fact that these guys are now around uh, a defensive coordinator for multiple years. With the same voice, same game plan, now everything is like second nature to you. Where before, they were bringing in a different guy every year, and all these young players were having to learn new schemes Mm -hmm. every single year. I don't think that's something that is talked about enough, the continuity of the team and the coaching staff and understanding what's expected from everyone. Yep, totally agree with you about that. Uh, and maybe that's why we're starting to see some of these older guys yeah. for the light uh, seems to be coming off for him, going off for them. Um, let's get into running backs. He was asked about um, the running backs and how that young running back room has been doing so far this spring, especially with some injuries here or there. Here's Sark commenting about the Texas running back so far. I thought Jaden Blue had a, had a nice scrimmage, made some plays, especially kind of on the perimeter. He's a very explosive athlete. Um, I thought Savion Red, from a, from a position change standpoint, um, shows physicality that uh, is really encouraging. You know, Savion has obviously played receiver a year ago, and we know he's gifted as a receiver, but to really start running between the tackles, which is kind of what he did in high school, is kind of a wildcat quarterback. Um, that, that's been encouraging. And I thought for said Baxter was good for him. You know, his first couple plays were not plays that he's going to always, you know, say those were my best plays at Texas. He kind of struggled early on, but then settled in and, and made some plays as, as the scrimmage went on. So Friday, when we get back out there again in the same similar format, is going to be big for him to take that step of, okay, now I'm comfortable with what we're doing and, and then start to see more of him of what he's capable of doing. Uh, there you go, talking about the running backs. You know, this, I do wonder, though, because 
you know, last year Texas, and I, I, I'm glad they did because I wholeheartedly endorsed it and advocated for it. They played a lot of two tailback sets more than they had played at any time I've been watching Texas, and it was just smart on Sark's part to play so much um, two tailback sets, twenty personnel, two backs, one zero tight ends, two backs, one tight ends, and twenty one personnel. Um, it was around 16% uh, multi-back sets, and they went 21 personnel a little over 11% of the time. Now, when you got a Rojo and a Bijan, two NFL running backs in your backfield, who both are elite at breaking tackles, arguably two of the best you know, uh, tackle-breaking running backs that we've seen in college football in the last five years, it makes sense to put those guys on the field at the same time as much as you can. That's part of your best 11 guys on offense. This year, though, I wonder if we'll see a shift because a lot of unproven commodities in your backfield. All your proven commodities and your high-level playmakers are at tight end with J.T. Sanders, at wide receiver with X-Man and with Jay Witt, hell, even with you know Jonte Cook and the young wideouts they brought in. So I, you know, the passing game, in my opinion, is going to be more lethal this year than the running game like it was last year with Bijan and Rojo. And I wonder if you'll see more 11 personnel, which is one back, one tight end, uh, and fewer two tailback sets, and maybe even fewer original 12 personnel, which is one back, two tight ends, because there's such a significant drop-off between JT Sanders and who your backup tight end is. And we'll get to that, because actually Sark, Sark disagrees with that. Sark likes his backup tight ends. I don't like his backup <laughs> tight ends. He likes them. Now, last year, they played a lot of 12 personnel. They actually played, if you look at original 12, there's one back, two tight ends. Around 26% of their reps were out of 12 personnel. But remember, they used big 12 package, yep. the 6 line package, charge, and that was around over 50, a little over 15% of the reps were the big O-line package. I envision this year. With the drop-off at tight end, in my opinion, being uh, so so seismic, if you will, I think they will play more big 12 package because where are you deep? On the O-line. Right. You got a lot of O-linemen. You want to get out there and get them some reps. I think you'll go more 6 O-line package. I think you'll go more 11 personnel, one back, one tight ends. And I think you'll see fewer multi-back sets, two tailback sets, and fewer original 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, because you'll try to focus and streamline everything around your proven commodities and your best playmakers. You got to. Yeah. And right. last year you played more 12 because, well, hell not. Why not add an extra blocker for B. John Robinson and Rojo? Exactly. exactly. That's why they did it. And they did a lot of, uh, like you've always talked about this, they did a lot of masking of some of the deficiencies that was on that offensive line, which is why you had to go to a six offensive mm-hmm. lineman package. That's fair, too. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. there were some things that were glaring in the, the preparations mm-hmm. for it, and now they're really going to have to be able to step up because of the fact there is no Bijan, there is no Rojo, no. and they made people miss and, and hid a lot of what you were doing. So. This is a big year for this offensive mm. line. Even though they've provided depth and they've mm. gotten better, they had that year underneath them. And they, too, are now listening to the same voice for multiple years, so they should be step and lock moving forward. Yeah, uh, big uh, – I'm with you. Big year for the offensive line because uh, I did not see enough of of what they could do or at least what the identity could be post Bijan and Rojo in the bowl game. As a matter of fact, it makes me – a little anxious thinking about the bowl game against yep. Washington because you took away Rojo and Bijan and your running game was non-existent. Yeah. And it wasn't just because of personnel, the lack of creativity 
on Sark's part was also mind, a bit mind blowing. I mean, that was uh, I could not believe that he went out there and just assumed without Bijan Rojo he could run the same offensive uh, rushing concepts that he ran with those guys. That was. Yeah, frustrating, <laughs> yeah, to say the yeah. least. Uh, okay, a couple more cuts here from Sark. Uh, he talk, he was asked about the edge rushers as well, um, and that's been a big topic of discuss, discussion. We know the interior D-line is really deep, but the edge rushers opposite, opposite Baron Sorrell, uh, there's been a lot of topic about who can end up filling that void. Here is Sark on edge rushers and their impact in the spring. Well, I mean, I think that that's, that's a – I don't, I don't like to temper anything. You know, ultimately, our job is to is to beat the best teams that we play on our schedule, uh, and ultimately put ourselves in position to compete for a championship. And if you're in that role, they probably got good tackles too. And so I do measure it against what does it look like when they go against those guys. And so, you know, whether it's whether it's a Baron Sorrell, whether it's an Ethan Burke, um, whether it's a Jamon Tap, a Justice Finkley, a Colton Vosick, whether it's when we can get some of the linebackers to the edge and what they can do. Um, I think I think ultimately we do measure it against those guys, and I do think they're all improving and growing. Um, but I do think our defensive staff has done a nice job of of, of doing of putting some new wrinkles in to create opportunities and create some one on one rushes, um, and guys can can kind of show what they can do. And so hopefully our youth can continue to grow into where we need them. Whether, like I said, whether it's a Chris Ross, a Jamon Tapp, a Burke, a Vosick, those guys are all talented players. And how far can they take it? That's what we have to find out here throughout the rest of spring, summer, and then fall camp. Yeah, the edge position is important because I think in this defense, now you got to give Pete Kwiatkowski and the defensive staff a ton of credit for the turnaround. It's one of the greatest turnarounds in Texas football history on the defensive side of the ball from 2021 to 2022. And they went from being one of the worst teams, actually one of the bottom 10 worst teams in the country at applying pressure to the opposing quarterback in 2021 to being number two in college football in pressures in 2022 just astounding just phenomenal uh we had, they had 277 pressures great number only only clemson had more with 287 pressures on the defensive line but kim kardashian Nicki minaj serena williams size cardi b size megan the stallion size but hey. is yes amen um <laughs> texas only had 27 sacks they looked at the top 10 teams in applying pressure last year with the most pressures um, only Texas and North Carolina State are teams in the top 10 with fewer than 30 sacks um, among the top 10 uh, leaders or team leaders in overall pressures. So they were, um, Texas was a 9.7% conversion rate turning pressures into sacks. And mm. that was the second lowest among that group. That is the defensive ends a lot of the times. The the guys that collapse the pocket right. oftentimes are the interior D-line. It's much tougher for those guys at times to end up getting sacked because quarterbacks, and they, a lot of them escape from the pocket. you got to be able to move in the pocket, yeah, and pocket awareness. Exactly. When they yeah. move in the pocket, a lot of them are trying to escape all mm-hmm. right, from the outside. Well, when they escape, the defensive end supposed to be there. Right. Right. To force them back inside. And last year, oftentimes, that element wasn't there enough. Baron Sorrell did a great job, but still, it wasn't there consistently enough where they could then 
totally collapse the pocket. I think they would, uh, the defensive interior D lineman would obstruct the pocket. Basically, they would end up penetrating the pocket, but still you need the defensive ends to totally collapse it to do their part. That's what you need this year, and hopefully they can get it from Justice Finkley or Ethan Burke and Cohen Vosick's another one of those guys too. So a lot expected from the defensive ends this year, um, whether uh, rather than just – you know, applying pressure, Texas needs to cash in on some of those pressures. Yeah, too. not just apply, bust them up. You got yeah, and the yeah. quarterback must go down. And the must go break. down hard. Yeah, must That's go right. down often and early. There it uh, is. All right, we'll come back. We'll get into a little off the record on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to put down the horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a top of the charts Tuesday. That means my man Patrick always playing jams. I reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Um, and I'm not sure who this is, actually. Shania uh, Twain. No. 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 What's the other one? What you got? Hard uh, and, and, it's, and it's not anybody. It's not. This is, I think, their one hit wonder. I was like, Hard was confident in that it? one, too. It is Alana Miles. Oh. Wait, what? That is who does Black Velvet. Alana Myers, Miles. I have no idea. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that one either. I wouldn't have got that one. Harsh looks, he looks sad too. Like, he was like really excited. No, you just thought it was was the wrong lady all this time. I was like, I did. All this time, 100%. You really did burst Harsh's bubble. I I was like, wait, what? I hope people on Twitch enjoyed that because that the reaction (laughs) was genuine. He was really sad. Oh, man. I guess I was really sad about that. Are you a Shania Twain fan randomly? I mean, she is kind of all right. Okay. Oh, well, no. She's fine. I'm just saying, like, I didn't know you were a fan. I don't listen that much. I just most of the time I'm just looking. Well, apparently he thinks a bunch of other songs are hers. Yeah, hers. Yeah, apparently. There's no telling. He's a fan because he got mixed up with old fucking artists. That makes a lot of sense. Oh man, that's good stuff. All right, uh, you can always hit us up on the uh, the Specs text line five one two three three seven three seven seven six. You also can hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. My man. uh, Harge that hard uh, hardball Harge in the Twitterverse and Patrick Davis at it's Patrick Davis uh, in the Twitterverse. Uh, real quick story about our our uh, great city, our awesome city here, city of Austin. I was reading an article about Austin talking about the uh, the job market. Apparently, um, according to the Wall Street Journal, Austin has the second strongest job market right now in the country. Say what? We agree or disagree with this. They said Nashville is number one. I mean, if everybody's going to come in here and be Strong, singers. It's strongest. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's not as strong of a market for the music industry as it used to be it, I mean, prior it is to COVID. In, now it's recovering, I think. And yeah. it is in certain senses. So the, the industry, industry part of it. So, like, there's more, like, the, the fact the CMT Awards were just here that's and all that. Big, yeah. Like, so there's a lot more industry here now. Because they they found they like people move from other places and people move from L.A. here, so there's more of that. But musically, 
Uh, the smaller side of it is a little different because now you're competing. So these other people that are just like, oh, we'll, run, we'll just do this. We'll it's a corporate get, feel to it. Yeah, and you're like, corporate, man, what, yeah. man, what happened to our town, man? Yeah, no, we're doing that. I, yeah, but it's what they say. I mean, obviously, I, I think, yeah, if you're a musician, I think it's a little bit different for you. But if you're just, you know, just a regular old jabroni out there, mm-hmm. all right, like the rest of us looking for a job, they say Austin, number one, num- sorry, number two behind Nashville, which is the number one strongest job market in the country. Jacksonville's number three. Dallas number four. So you got Texas guys. Jacksonville two is number three. <laughs> I'm just telling you what the Wall Street Journal said. I, I wouldn't go to Jacksonville looking I'm for like, a job. Wait, what? I'll tell you that right now. That would not be one of my <laughs> top spots. Uh, but I would uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, Atlanta, number six. Orlando, seven. Charlotte, eight. Salt Lake City, nine. And Miami is 10. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So strongest job markets. Denver is eleven. Tampa, Florida is twelve. If you want to know that, but I would uh, think Denver would be higher. I know Denver up would there. be higher too. Jacksonville yeah. shocked that, me. That actually. really threw me off. If when any you of them were shocking, it would be Jacksonville. Also, good news for Austinites. Uh, Austin ranks number one on the uh, best U.S. housing markets for growth and stability. There you I go. can see that for the stability. Yeah, because when you get here, you don't want to leave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you get that to Austin, true. you don't you don't you don't want to leave the Austin area. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, according to a new study, um, twelve of the top twenty U.S. cities that ranked as the best um, housing markets for growth and stability were in Texas. Six Texas cities made the top ten. Um, so smart asset, I believe, compared the home value data for 400 metropolitan areas and decided Austin Round. Look at this, Austin Round Rock, Georgetown Metro. Yeah, man, ain't that crazy? I remember when Where I was left Houston at? Where was the VLA? Yeah, I'm assuming they throw it in there. They got to be in there with Round but Rock. Greater Houston's like that too. Yeah. Where it's like oh, well, everybody's gracious. including Greater Houston. Like yeah. people from Galveston, like <laughs> Galveston is a great Galveston. Yeah, Galveston is great. Everybody's great. So now Greater Austin. Essentially, Austin Metro, Austin Round Rock, Georgetown Metro area ranks yeah. number one. So I guess you throw all that in there. I got so, you. There you go. So if you, hey, there you go. Somebody said Jacksonville got more popular after Urban Meyer left. <laughs> Longhorn Bear said that. <laughs> well said. Yeah. Well done. Uh, well done. I like that. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty good. All right, we come back. We'll get into. Uh, well, you know, we'll play the rest of that Sark media availability sound, and we'll talk about Quinn Ewers' uh, development a little bit, and then we'll jump back into the national title game. We got to talk UConn, win the national title, but also the first lady. She got involved in the Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese controversy. And, uh, yeah, they had to backpedal on that. She had to walk it back just a little bit. We knew it would get political. I said it would get political yesterday. I just thought it would be President Trump that threw it out there. Turns out the first lady uh, did it. So we'll get into that on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.